Pushkin. Somewhere over the dunes, love, I walked, I went, and oh, I turned a desert into sea, baby. The rootsiness of the Alabama Shakes is super refreshing, which is why their success after the first release, Boys and Girls, in 2012 wasn't surprising. But it did seem to happen really, really fast. In fact, their lead singer, Brittany Howard, was still delivering mail for the Postal Service while writing some songs for the album. It wound up with three Grammy nominations, including Best New Artist. Plus, the album's lead single, Hold On, was named Song of the Year by Rolling Stone. Unlike most rock music these days, you can hear the blues in their sound but the shakes don't sound like a throwback act. They just sound soulful and funky and modern and raucous all at the same time. This song, Dunes, is from their second and most recent album, Sound and Color. It earned the group six Grammy nominations after it came out in 2016. All the success surprised Brittany Howard, the band's powerhouse vocalist, guitarist, and songwriter, because she worked through a serious bout of writer's block to get the album done. That writer's block returned when she and the band got together to make a third album. But this time, when she dug deep to write, something more personal came out, leading her to put the band on hold for a second and write some songs for herself. I just want to notice me. I just want to notice me. This is Georgia from Britney's debut solo album titled Jamie. On this week's Broken Record, Britney talks with Rick Rubin about how a couple of these songs came together, what it was like to create and perform by herself, and later in the interview, Britney starts asking Rick questions and things get kind of weird. This is Broken Record Season 3, Liner Notes for the Digital Age. I'm Justin Richmond. Here's a bit more of Britney's song, Georgia, after her and Rick talk about how the song came together. Georgia. Is it cool? I want to tell you that I love you. Georgia, here you come. How did that one get written and then recorded? Oddly enough, I was in Topanga because that's where I was doing a lot of writing for this record. And it was like lunchtime. So I was making a sandwich and I was reading this article. 
and articles about this woman. Her name is Georgia Ann Muldrow. She's a uh, producer, writer, rapper, singer, maker of things in general. And I have a lot of respect for her. I think she's wonderful. And I, I love her creativity. So I was like, she works with all these people um, that I had a lot of respect for. And I was like, man, I wish I wish Georgia would like notice me. Because if she notices me, that means I'm dope too. And then I'm still reading this article. I'm eating a sandwich. <laughs> and I'm just going, I just want Georgia to notice me. And I was like, oh, that's catchy. And then the baseline came in. And I had this idea for these warring, the warring clav with the bass, and they're kind of doing separate things. I was like, I gotta, gotta put this sandwich down. I gotta go, gotta go write this song real quick. And then it turned into this, like, it turned into a completely different story. It turned into this love song from a little girl to like an older girl, and it turned into this like love song I'd never heard before, but I wish I had. And then it, it just ends on this huge dream sequence, what sounds like a dream sequence to me, anyway. The organ part in the middle is really dramatic and beautiful. It takes and you elsewhere. It really does. Yeah, yeah. Really cinematic, really beautiful. We stuck very closely to the demo, and we just retracted things to make them sound more uh, percussive and real, especially like the roads. We had a lot of contact mics on the roads so that it sounded like something that was tangible and not just something that's like really dreamy and unattainable. Like, what is that? Like, we wanted everything to feel very like visceral and and human and woody and close and familiar. Um, so the contact mics had a, a big spot in that song. Cool. Yeah. How did you make the original demo? It had a little MIDI keyboard, like a real tiny one. Mm -hmm. I think twenty eight keys or something. Because twenty five keys. Because when I get them bigger than that, I uh, don't play them. It has to be like a tiny keyboard because if I have a full-size one, uh, I just get intimidated by it. Mm. So I had this little one. Um, I used Logic, Logic, which is cheaper than Pro Tools, so I used that. And um, just electric guitar, a little crappy amp I found. Um, that's about it. That's usually all I need because, you know, you got your kit on the MIDI and then nothing's like a real guitar, so you got to use a real guitar. Do you by any chance have the demo in your phone? Yeah, but it's not as good. No, I'd love to hear. <laughs> I'd love to hear just to hear hear the process. You know. Okay, that's a great question. You can you can plug it in right behind you. There's a little that chord. Yeah, just be fun to hear. Let's see here. There's no turning back now. Coming go 
great. Thanks. You know, just feels like molten lava just poured all over me when I have to listen to the demos again. It's just so interesting how um, how much of the idea is there right from the beginning. And yeah, a lot of my demos are like that. They're just like there. Um, Sound and Color was a song I did that's pretty much exact from Alabama Shakes record. Yeah. It's pretty much exactly like my demo. It's like the same thing. Yeah. They come pretty complete. Not very well recorded, but pretty complete. Yeah. And it, from the time that you were eating the sandwich mm-hmm. until that demo existed, how long was it? Probably a couple hours. So same day, yep. the initial idea comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did the dream sequence ending, when did you realize that was the choice you were going to be? you were going to make oh it just kind of happened naturally because i was like i've run out of ideas let me try just putting it through another sound and see if that creates a different section and then it did and then it made me think in different ways and then uh started layering on all this like x files sounds and um big kick drum big dramatic ending it's it sounds like um hearing the demo makes it sound like it comes to you very uh naturally and easily and that's beautiful to hear Thanks. Yeah, I, I think all the songs are really I fight with and songs like that. I um, just put them down. And I say, well, don't got it right now, or I just never do anything with it at all. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This, how how often do songs come? Um. I don't. I don't really. It's not that easy for me. I feel like there's writers out there who write wonderful songs um, daily. They just they can sit down and write two or three songs a day. Everybody's different. For me, I that's not how it works for me. I am I feel very fortunate to receive any song I get, and I try to see it through because the way I think of it is like if I'm uh, as long as I'm staying open enough to receive the song. So to say, like if I'm sitting there trying to think, okay, I gotta write a song. I gotta write a song. Uh, what's it about? What's it about? Like, that doesn't work. It like cuts me off from being creative. And I think whenever I just relax, like making a sandwich, pretty relaxing, that's when things hit me. So I, I'm the type of person that runs to the studio um, whenever I do get an idea because I realize it's very special. So I wouldn't say they come super, super often. But then again, I'm not. I'm also um, doing other things. I'm just like a very uh, mentally active person. Just got to get out of the way. Exactly. Let it come. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> We'll be back with more of Rick Rubin's conversation with Brittany Howard. Hey there, I'm Ashley Ford, host of the Chronicles of Now podcast. Chronicles of Now commissions amazing authors like Roxane Gay, Colin McCann, Carmen Maria Machado, and Curtis Sittenfield to write short fiction inspired by the headlines. Each episode features a new work of fiction inspired by the biggest stories of our time, like what does COVID-19 do to our relationships? How do we make sense of climate change and extinction? And perhaps most mysteriously, what is going on with Trump's tweets? Because in such uncertain times, sometimes art, fiction, is the only way to make sense of it all. The show is great for fans of short speculative fiction, historical novels, podcasts that go behind the news, and narrative shows like Radiolab and The Moth. The Chronicles of Now is imaginative storytelling at its most compelling. Authors helping us understand our world. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Brought to you by Pushkin Industries. 
We're back with more from Brittany Howard. What's the first time you ever sang in front of people? Probably 14 or 15. There's like a talent show at school. And I was writing songs then, horrible songs. But I got up there and did it. <laughs> we got people's choice. So that's something. It's like someone's drunk dad was out there going, woo! <laughs> like the drunk dad loved it. He's like, man, y'all remind me of Rush or something like that. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> did you did you like the experience of singing in front of people? I guess so. It was it was weird. It was like I was after something, but I, um, I still don't know what that was. I was like trying to achieve something. Um, I'm trying to put myself back into like that headspace of being like a teenager. Things want to be good. Again, good band. That's my my ultimate goal. Ironically enough, was to be in a band. And I wasn't going to stop until I was in a band. And then my next goal was like, I'm not going to stop until we play a real show and an album. And there's all these really basic goals, you know. Who would be the uh, inspirations for wanting to be in a band? It was really weird. It was like um, at my school, we had like this old gym, had this old stage. And then one night I was in marching band. I was like 11 years old. And this older girl who was in marching band came up to me and was like, are you going to the concert tonight? I was like, what concert? She's like, it's at the old gym. It's at seven o'clock. You should come to it. There's going to be bands. So I show up by myself. And um, yeah, there's just these bands playing. They're kids I went to school with. And they're really good. And everybody's like dancing. And I'm like standing there. It was like such a moment that was so surreal. Um, because like all these kids are dancing. And then I look at the stage. And it's like a kid like I had PE with. And like this other kid that I knew. And they're playing the instruments. And and I, this moment happened where I was just like, I have to be in a band. So cool. Yeah. So was, lucky that that happened. Yeah, I was like, this is the ultimate thing that one can do is do that. And and ever since I was 11, I was like looking for band members. I remember teaching like a few kids how to play instruments so that I could start a band with them. Is the Shakes your first band? No. So what's your history? Wow. Uh, I've been in a lot of bands. A lot of bands. A lot of bands I made, I formed. I had wanted to be like the singer for some bands and stuff because they were already formed. They knew how to play their instruments. But they're like, nah, you don't look the part. I was like, all right, I'm gonna make my own band then. And then proceeded to just like train a lot of kids. Like I pulled out a marching band. Like this is how you play bass. This is how you play drums. Like you're the drummer now. Practice the drums. And you're you're gonna be the guitar player because there's like this one kid that could play the solo from I Wish You Were Here. <laughs> so that was a guitar player. Um, so many bands, I, I, I can't even really count. It would it would just be this menagerie of different kids from the band, and then we would always change our name and always have different members. But it was always like me and the drummer Johnny, who's still my best friend to this day. You did that for how long? Say uh, from eleven to I found a Shakes when I was twenty. And how did that come together? Were they already playing together or? No, it was so Zach, the bass player. Um, I had a psychology class with him. Um, three of us all went to the same high school. So Zach, he would always wear the t-shirts that had like the cool bands that nobody really knows about. So I was like, man, I got I to gotta figure out how to how, like talk to Zach. <laughs> I was really shy. I was like, I didn't know how to approach him. He gave me nothing. I didn't know anything about his personality. He was kind of a jerk when I first met him. But I was like, look, man, uh, I've been writing these songs. I got this like demo. Do you want to listen to it? Because I know you play bass. He was like, yeah, okay. So we go to his little Honda Civic. 
and we sit in it and he plays it. He's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. And I'm like, well, you want to come jam sometime? He's like, yeah, I do that. So that's how me and Zach got started. We were just like musicians first, friends later. And we, you know, he taught me a lot about a lot of different type of music, like um, King Crimson and like lots of prog kind of music. But I liked it. I got into it. So the, me and Zach were real tight from the beginning. And I was probably like 16. He must have been 17. And then me and him were making this music. And Heath, uh, the guitar player, he got a hold of one of our demos that we made. He was like, oh, they're pretty good. We should get them to open for us. And I was like, well, you know. We ain't got no drummer. We ain't, we ain't got no material. He's like, I'll help y'all out. Here's Steve. Steve's from the music store. Now we're a band. And we, we got 30 minutes of material, and we did our first show. We did our first show in Decatur, Alabama, played for 30 minutes. And it was amazing. Like, I remember walking up there and being so nervous. And everybody was looking at us crazy because I know we looked strange. Like, our drummer, Steve, he had like a like a... Uh, Clippers jersey on or something, just a Clippers jersey, and <laughs> and Zach had like this little funny mustache, and you know he looked like a nice guy, and then there's me, we're just like an odd bunch, and then I opened my uh, my mouth to sing, and then I just like blacked out, and the next day I know everybody's cheering and standing up, and they're like, wow, that's amazing, and clapping, and um, I was like, whoa, I think that went really well, and then and then I got paid. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? You get paid? <laughs> was that first set all original material? Mm -mm. It was like all covers. I think all we covers. did I think we had three songs that originally like mm -hmm. original material, three songs. Mm -hmm. And the rest was like James Brown covers, Led Zeppelin, A C D C because you wouldn't get hired where we're from if you didn't yeah. play covers. How will live be different as a solo artist? It's it's a lot more vulnerable, I'll tell you that much. Cause I don't, um, I'm a guitar player, but in the shakes, I play guitar all the time. In this, I play guitar in like three songs because mm. the parts I wrote are like way too technical for me to sing and play. Um, so it's just me up there with a mic and I'm like, okay, I, I've never done this before. So it's new. It's yeah. new. It's exciting. Yeah. And it's fun. Yeah. But at first it's very, very scary. Cause I'm like, I'm so good at this thing that I don't do anymore. Yes. <laughs> now what am I good at? Yeah, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> That's exactly what I say all the time. Thanks for saying that. <laughs> I always say that, nobody laughs. <laughs> Jeez. Tell me about the solo work and how is the solo work different than the band work? Um, I think the solo work to me is a lot different than the band work. I, I loved the music we made together as a band. I just think the solo stuff is um, my opportunity to be a whole lot more adventurous and to steer my own ship and to make my own triumphs, my own mistakes, explore, um, just do whatever I want. Um, there's really no one to embarrass or anyone to let down. It's really just like I get to just be a free creative person. And that means like everything to me. Um, it's very different. The process is different. It was just, I like this riff here. This is why I like it. This is how it makes me feel. It stays, you know, pretty simple. <laughs> Play something else from the new album, just for, uh, let's see. There are miles between us, time between us. 
It feels so good to dream it all Something short and sweet There's always a lot on my head for you incredible that's one of them thank you <laughs> it's incredible thanks it's interesting when you described going on stage the first time and the feeling of blacking out and then hearing people applaud and when i hear this my first reaction is the person who's singing that isn't is so in the music that they don't exist outside of the music 
Yeah, it's, I'd say even as a performer, when I'm performing, it's like if I can't get into my music, then I'm. That's what I'm most upset about when I leave a stage. It's like I wasn't there. Like I couldn't get in there. It's usually some sort of weird technical difficulty or tiredness. You know? And is it something that just comes naturally to you? That ability to just kind of be in it. Yeah, because I I feel like I learned really early. Yes, I feel like I learned really early on that like if I'm not feeling it, then why would anybody else feel it? Yeah. And how was that song written? Oh, this song. I yeah. was short. It's called Short and Sweet. I was sitting on my back porch in Nashville. And I remember it being like a really nice day. It wasn't too hot. And I remember there being these wind chimes in the background. And usually I don't record out there because of the wind chimes. And of course, I don't take the wind chimes down. That would make too much sense. But that day, I was just messing around. I had just got this classical guitar. And um, just started playing these chords. I, I, oh, the first chord I opened up with, I don't even know what it's called. Um, doo, 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 doo. It's a really funny chord. I was like, oh, that's so nice. And then I thought, how cool would it be to start a song with this funny chord? And then I went to the G, and then I, and then the song just kind of came out. It just started, there's something between it. Like, the words came out, and then I just did it. Yeah, matter of moments. And how were you able to remember it? I was I just had my phone there. Oh, and you just turned on the phone as soon as you started working on it? No, I kind of had it going a little bit. Um, and then I was like, ooh, let me hit this record button. Yeah. And then I just, like, it was just kind of like um, top of the head. Yeah. Amazing. It's really beautiful. Thank you so much. We'll be back with more from Brittany Howard. We're back with more of Brittany Howard's conversation with Rick Rubin. Are you excited to make more music? Yes. That's all I want to do. Like, I love touring. I love, perf- I love being a performer. Of course. I love performing. I love meeting the fans. I love being in a studio because I'm inspired by the engineering aspect of it and not knowing anything about it and then finding out one little thing and then it, my brain just going and making the music and... um being inspired from something like that that's my favorite thing to do just to just mull around in studio and figuring little things out that excite me um performing is a little different obviously you're on a bus for a long time like 20 people just like uh it's just different (laughs) it's different yeah when you um when you talked about the georgia song you were inspired by something you were reading in an article in that moment how often does does the inspiration come from something in the world around you? Pretty often. I think this record was more inspired by my my own life, Me- memories being nostalgic, just knowing myself better. And then the record before, Sound and Color, came from watching a lot of movies. It's like Dune. I watched, is it just Dune or is it Dunes? I think it's just Dune. It's Dune. Yeah, I watched Dune. I was like, well, gotta write a song about that. I watched this uh, Akira Kurosawa movie called Dreams. And I was like, gotta watch. Uh, I mean, gotta gotta write a song after watching that. Um, movies really inspired my last record for sure. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm definitely like a visual person. And if I see, if I'm seeing all those colors and things like that, I already have my own soundtrack, even though they're playing 
their sweeping soundtrack. I have my soundtrack. And I'm like, it's so much cooler in here, you know? So that definitely inspired Sound and Color. And then this one was just like my own life. I, I, I don't think a lot of people stop and reflect on how they got to where they are or what kind of patterns they repeat or where they're going or what they want. I don't, I don't know if people really pause and take stock of how proud they should be of themselves already. And, you know, that was, that was just something I was checking out turning 30. I was just checking out being more self-aware. And then it kind of begat this record doing some thinking like that in the case of being inspired by movies to write songs you you talk about having the soundtrack going in your head so would it be more would it be more like you're watching a movie and you're imagining the score that you would do and that ends up being your song or might it be based on well this character in the movie is going through this thing so it's a bad emotion yeah, uh, definitely the feeling. The definitely the feeling, also the colors, the mood, what, and also what would I do here? It, all, all of it, all of it, kind of uh, creates a thing all together. It can create or inspire me to write a song. And I wrote a song called Dunes after watching Dune, but the topics really don't have anything to do with each other. It's just the feeling of desolation. Anything else uh, interesting that you could think of? To talk about? Yeah. Oh, tons of things. Okay, let's use them. That's going to be weird. I'm, um, I'm not afraid. All right, we're flipping the interview around now. Do <laughs> you believe in aliens? Uh, I believe in everything. Okay, so yes. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, definitely. Have you ever had any uh, otherworldly or mystical experiences? Yes. Tell me. <laughs> uh, I used to live in a haunted house. It was so haunted, I moved out. And I was, I was broke, so imagine. It's pretty haunted. What would be an example of a haunting? Okay, well, I'll just put it, to, to make a long story short, getting locked out of my house um, from, from the inside out and um, having doors and cabinets just slam right in front of me or behind me. And, like, blankets move, curtains move. What else? Oh, my bass player has actually seen a shadow go from one room to another room. I've never seen anything. Well, besides like things move. And eventually it just got like so creepy and bad that I just like wasn't sleeping good. So then I just moved out. I moved out in like 24 hours, moved out of the house. Yeah. So something. I mean, it really freaked me out bad because I didn't really believe in ghosts. I thought like, I thought my mom was just making it up that there was a ghost in the house to mess with me. But uh wasn't about me. It's a pretty selfish thought, actually. There's a ghost in the house. And so there's that. I lived in a haunted house, but it was it was not so scary and it was more friendly, friendly spirits. Really? Yeah. But that doesn't bother you knowing that there's like a whole other dimension of beings that can see you and you can't see them? No. It bothers me. I hate that. I hate that. Just thinking about it right now, it's peeping toms. Not that they care. I'm just saying. That's what I'm saying. It's like you're assuming that they care. No, it's not. It's not like I don't care what. I mean, they're, <laughs> maybe they're dead. I don't know what what it is. Maybe they're in, interdimensional now. I have no idea. I'm just saying, um, it freaks me out not having the knowledge of it. Like I don't understand it, and it makes me uncomfortable. 
I'm team alien though. I'm like, I'm gonna be like <laughs> team alien. Like, t- <laughs> take me up. <laughs> it's been wild down here. <laughs> Dude, since we're just doing this, do you think um, a song is like an entity, or do you think it's not even like that? I've never thought of it like that before, but someone recently gave me that example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it sounded foreign when I heard it for the first time. But as I think about it, there's something there's something about it. But I don't I don't think that the song itself is the entity. I think it's more of an expression of something else. Mm-hmm. It's like language isn't us. It's it's more like a vehicle we use. Yes, I agree. I mean, like you said, expression. It's expression, uh, especially with. Um, just the landscape of what's happening behind the vocal telling the story, the vocals telling the story, but then the music is so important too. One of my favorite composers is David Axelrod. Incredible. Incredible. Um, The way he could move you with the tone of the guitar, the size of the drums, and of course, obviously all the composition happening, but everything mattered. That, 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 as as a songwriter and whatever I will do in the future, everything does matter. And he's one of my first teachers that showed me why everything matters. Because in the end, you have a landscape. You have such a big story you're telling. I remember telling my partner about why I like jazz music because um, she didn't understand why I was listening to it. And I was like, you know, it's telling a story based on who's doing it, but it's telling a story of a time that we didn't understand, but it's blatantly telling me what it felt like to uh, walk down the streets of, you know, Selma, Alabama, 19th, everything's there. That's all the information I need. Yeah, you can read a book. Of course, books are wonderful too. It's a different form. But the music tells me everything I need to know about the mood, what you're afraid. There's colors in it. It's like there's so much information when you don't say anything. But then when you're saying something, you're directing my thoughts of what to think. You know what I'm saying? That's the key. What you, I think what you just said is the key to it is that the the book or the movie tells you what to think mm-hmm. and the music puts you in a place where you can feel your feelings, your own feelings. Yeah, it really opens you up. Yeah. Yeah. Especially just music. Yeah. I think poetry also can can also have that effect. I feel like it's it's uh, open enough where I don't feel like poetry is telling me what to think. Mhm. Yeah, especially one poets that are really good at it. And I think I think all of expression all of creativity I think that really good stuff is what connects us back to ourselves. So even when you're looking at a giant painting, and I never understood art because I, I wasn't understanding what I was supposed to get from it. But now that I've gotten older and I see some pieces and I'm just like, wow, this makes me feel like childhood. But like also like, um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm getting it more and more. I think the more I learn about myself just as a person. And, um, and that's been just been really, really cool and eye-opening especially like on this earth all i want to do is create things so it's been cool learning how to do that from everything that's different from what i do you know but then also it ain't so different from painting what i do you know what i mean it's not so different oh i don't think so either 
Brittany Howard's first solo album, Jamie, came out this fall. You can check it out by subscribing to our playlist for the episode at brokenrecordpodcast.com. You can also sign up for a behind-the-scenes newsletter and check out other episodes of the podcast while you're there. Also want to let you know that Broken Records going on a short hiatus, but we'll be back in January with episodes of the podcast that I'm really excited to share. Got Ozzy Osbourne with Sharon, Bob Weir from The Grateful Dead, Kenny Beats, Nick Lowe, The XX, and a lot more. Plus, we'll be releasing episodes every week in the new year. Broken Record is produced with help from Jason Gambrell, Mia Lobel, and Leah Rose. Our theme music's by Kenny Beats. I'll catch you back in January. I'm Justin Richmond. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.